My name is Reed. I'm one of the student pastors here at Whitewater, and it's just an honor to be here and speak to you guys. And today we're going to talk a little bit about leaving a legacy of generosity. And uh, when they put me on the schedule, I kind of thought it was a joke because the whole series is about money. Uh, And I was like, well, you know, David, talking about money at Whitewater means you should be bald. And so I will not be talking about money, but I will in some weird way. Uh, But uh, disclaimer, uh, this book is one of my all-time favorite books. If you want to know, hey, this is how we do ministry at Whitewater Youth. This is how we do ministry with our students. This is how we do ministry with our adults, with our schools, anything like that. Uh, You want to read that book. And someone that I know is absolutely crazy and reads really fast, and she says that you can read this in a a night. Um, I'm not. I don't read fast at all. Uh, But even I could read it in three or four different days. So uh, different key, different days. Uh, So you definitely want to read that book. Uh, I will be in that book a lot today. And so uh, as we dive into Luke 19, uh, just know that I will be strictly almost in the Bible and in that book, uh, because that is how much we believe if you follow Jesus' ministry in this book uh, through the story of Zacchaeus, you will leave a legacy. So um, I'm teaching a lot out of that book. I got 30 minutes and 10, verse, 10 verses to convince you that you should leave a, a legacy in this way. Uh, so we're going to have to hop right in. One of the things that we love doing in our student ministry is when you read, maybe you want to circle a word, underline a word, uh, maybe a phrase, something that you feel like, hey, man, I got questions about this, or maybe uh, God is prompting this word on my heart, something like that. So If you want to read this, we're going to read straight through the scripture. And if you want to circle a word or something like that, uh, just so we're clear, I'm going to be circling words. um, So that way we can circle back to the words. See what I did there? Good. Father of two, father of two. I'm really good at that. Um, So we're going to circle back to the words that I've, I've created or I've circled that I'm like, wow, God is speaking to me and speaks through our generations and our students through these words. So. Let's hop into Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. He was going through the town. He was not planning on stopping there. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the entire region, in the whole region. Um, So not just regular tax collector. He was the chief of all tax collectors in the entire area. I don't know what that means, but it seems like a big deal. And he had become very rich. He tried, tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short, vertically challenged people in the room. Anybody? Yeah, I know. I'm five, nine and a half, but I tell everyone I'm five, ten because it makes me feel better. <laughs> but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. He knew exactly the route that he would take. So when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick. Come down. Jesus' words to Zacchaeus was quick. Come down. I must be a guest in your home today. The best kind of ministry happens in your home, by the way. Zacchaeus quickly, so he's really good. Unlike my four year old and one year old, he's really good at listening. So Jesus said, quick. He does quick. That's great. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. 
Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I, give, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have created or if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. See, true life change is measured by your generosity. Jesus responded, salvation has come to those, to this home today, for, the, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Seek means we need to find them, right? I played enough hide and go seek to know that. That's for sure. This dude, Zacchaeus, he's not well liked, but he hears these stories about Jesus and he's kinda ha- he, he kind of has to go see. He's like compelled to go see, hey, what is this Jesus guy all, all about? And his, his past, his own past has been filled with money and deceit and loneliness, but these rumors about this Jesus guy are swirling. He's probably heard them before, but he, he actually risks, because there's a risk when you're this disliked of coming out of your house. He risks coming out to see what this story is all about, who this guy these stories are all about. Hey, I heard he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I know he stopped and talked to people with leprosy and it vanished. These are the kind of stories that he's had to have heard. Maybe these stories sparked hope for him. I mean, this Jesus guy wanted to hang out with all these people that no one wanted to hang out with after all. And nobody really wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus either. He did collect taxes and usually collected a little bit more than he was supposed to give back to Rome. Anybody love the IRS here? Big fans? Anybody work for the IRS here? I'm really sorry if we, oh yeah, we love you, it's fine. It's great. See, imagine Zacchaeus pushing ahead, looking for a spot. When he arrives to the road, he sees the path, right? Like it says, he knows the path that they're going to come. And he, and he knows exactly where Jesus is, is going to come by. And so he pushes up there and he sees an opening and he steps up there and a lady just kind of like, ooh, I don't like you. And he, and he sees that. And, and so he's like, okay, maybe there's another opening. And he looks for another opening. Uh, and then there's a, there is one. Great. I can go see this Jesus guy. And he steps up into the opening. And then this big, tall guy, because there's always a big, tall guy, steps right in front of his line of sight. And he's probably thinking, like, you know, what am I, what am I doing here? He could have turned around. He, he could have had a different point of view Maybe Zacchaeus was ready to return home, but he didn't. Instead, he, read, he ran ahead and climbed a tree, which I'm pretty sure like, isn't the most, uh, I don't know, grown man hobby to do. Like, I don't usually look at Ariel, my wife, and I'm like, hey, listen, me and the boys, we're getting together. We're going to climb some trees, you know? <laughs> it's, 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 not usually my prou- it's not usually like your proudest moment if you're like, I'm so short, I have to climb a tree. And I'm pretty sure this wasn't his proudest moment either. His inner monologue had to have been uh, great up at this point. And he's saying like, hey, I'm successful, I'm, I'm, but why am I still unhappy? I'm still so alone, I'm still not valued, I'm still not loved. And something happened that would change everything for him. Jesus looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. He calls him by his name. I'm sure Zacchaeus' inner monologue changes to uh, what would be mine, which is, that's me. Oh, that's, oh, that's me? Like a, a question mark? And he, he might be calling someone in here today by name to do something too. Me? Yeah, you. But I don't want to stop there. 
Take a look back at what Jesus was doing at the time of this story. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. He's growing his followers by numbers. He's had a few sermons go viral. His Transjordan tour was a hit. He's a center of national controversy. Jesus is literally on the road to go do great things. The final reason for what he's come. And he stops to have the last recorded personal encounter before his death with little old Zacchaeus. Jesus, the King, the Messiah, our Savior, entering the city for his final battle. I'm sure there was a lot on his mind. I'm sure he had a lot going on. Think about your favorite endgame type, like battles, the, the final battle, Lord of the Rings and Rocky and pick one. I don't know. There, you, we all have favorites. The emotion that's wrapped up in that, the mental capacity it takes to prepare yourself for those moments. How did Jesus notice anything or anybody? I'm sure like always, because they are always confused, the disciples seeing a little rich guy in a tree with his rich clothing and stuff. I don't know what's happening, but there he is. All I know is this, Jesus saw something the disciples may have not. He saw a man who was alone. He saw something about the man that wasn't the same as how others had seen him. He saw his heart. And when everyone else saw a greedy man who took their money, Jesus saw a man who would throw personal dignity to the side to find hope in this man they call the Messiah. He saw Zacchaeus not as the enemy, but a victim of the enemy. Maybe that's how we need to start looking at some people in our life too. In the moment, in the most personal way possible, Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, which is crazy, right? Like he tells him to come down and Zacchaeus is probably thinking about how surreal this is, how crazy this is. After all, he climbed the tree to see Jesus, not be seen by him. He probably wasn't expecting a guest like Jesus and I could only assume he gave the like, sorry for the mess comment as they were walking back to the house. Whole time, like, hoping, wondering, man, I hope my servants have figured this out. I hope it's clean. I hope there's food. hope it's presentable. I wonder if Mrs. Zacchaeus was pleased to have a drop-in visitor. <laughs> but really... He was just glad that Jesus broke the custom to come see him, his house, and know him. Zacchaeus left home and alone, and he came back with Jesus. But think about Jesus. Have you thought about how wildly offensive it was for him to be doing what he was doing? Zacchaeus wasn't a thief. He was worse then. He stole extra money, and it was supported by officials, right? A corrupt leader who takes advantage for personal gain. We hate those people. We're quick to point them out. We know them. We see them. Jesus was coming to be widely known as the Messiah. Everything he did was looked at as the coming kingdom. So is this what the coming kingdom looks like, Jesus? Eating with the worst people? And I'm sure to the disciples this was confusing. I mean, Judas probably was confused why Jesus would stop the train from rolling for this guy. And I'm sure he noticed it right away from seeing his house that this guy was a little different. This was a wealthy place, but this tax collector looked like no other. His wealth was even greater than most. 
a glaring signal to how deceitful he had been in his life. He followed the man and Jesus as they walked inside the nicest house he had ever seen with large columns and beautiful marble floor. I'm sure his stomach was turning, thinking of how this man was nothing like what Jesus was teaching. Looking at the servants, they probably weren't accustomed to receiving many guests and that probably made the most sense to him. Continuing the tour to seeing the craziest spread he had ever laid eyes on. The disciples probably couldn't believe it. They had never seen so many different foods in one area. And I'm sure like all people, they watched Jesus carefully. He earlier commanded a man to give up his wealth and give it to the poor. Surely this guy was going to get the same speech. I don't know if you're ever sitting at the dinner table and you're like, oh, my brother's in trouble. He's about, the hammer is about to get lame and it is going to be awesome because I'm not involved. But Jesus seemed to be just enjoying his company, eating with him, as though he was blissfully ignorant to this man's income. I mean, how do you think he paid for this, Jesus? But Jesus seemed unconcerned about the convos happening around him. How could he justify how this man makes a living by eating it? How is this acceptable? This man, Zacchaeus, is no more than a sinner. See, Jesus was interested, but only in his host. He could see past his luxury. His eyes only concerned for the man who sits in front of him. With every minute that passed, he seemed to be reassuring Zacchaeus that, yes, you are worth me being here. And with every bite, he seemed to be saying, you know, there's a place for you at my table too. And it's funny that Zacchaeus repents, even though Jesus never talks about his sin. Jesus really actually doesn't do anything in this story. There's no moment when Jesus asks how he makes his money, no moment he asks about uh, his house or his plates or his comfy couch or the amount of food and servants. He doesn't say, I will sit with you once you repent and give all, those money, give all that money back to those people. And maybe that's because Jesus knew that should and must are shallow motives for change. Man, Jesus didn't come to impose shame. He came to impose the gospel. He simply entered Zacchaeus' house to show him he loved him. Not even so he'd repent, just that he was valued by someone. By doing so, he broke a cycle of shame Zacchaeus had found himself in. And I mean, at the table must have been an interesting sight as well. The disciples start to get comfortable laughing and having conversations of their own, all while Matthew looks on the table, the house, and everything else and thinks, man, this was me. Game recognizes game. This was my life. And if he believed or not that if he was ever fully forgiven for his sins, his times as a tax collector, then Jesus' forgiveness of Zacchaeus gives him hope. And around the same time, an uncomfortable feeling starts to overwhelm Zacchaeus. He knew every purchase he made, every person he had swindled. He knows he spent so long worrying about the garden. I mean, surely if somebody would love his garden, they would love him too, right? They'd want to come see it. They'd want to spend time with him. He longed for someone to sit on, the, on his couch and notice him. So he bought the cushiest and the most awesome couch he could find. Surely someone would want to sit there right? The biggest table 
for all the people that would surely want to come over to his house and sit and eat his luxurious food. But before Jesus, he started to notice how truly empty his house was. And he left in the morning alone and came back with friends. And he didn't realize how impactful that would be, how life-changing that would be. And he knew, once these men leave here, I will never be the same. After all, they had done so much for him. And his next dilemma was, what shall I do for them? Sing? Mm Mm-mm. No, please don't. Dance? Definitely not. That is weird. So he stands up and he shouts, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That would have been a ton of money. And I'm sure he was amped. This is a new life for him. The servants and disciples were as surprised as anybody else, and Jesus looks on knowing the whole time. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus' whole story is one of transformation, one of generosity and legacy. And it wasn't like Jesus was saving him from a future hell. It actually seems like Jesus was saying, you were living in hell. Do you want to start discovering what heaven is like? And he wasn't saved because Jesus believed in him. He believed in him because Jesus first believed in him. Zacchaeus lost his identity, his purpose, his belonging, and that wasn't intentional. He lost because he was obsessed with money and power and position. He forfeited relationships and created ongoing tensions with friends and family. Then Jesus showed up, generous with his time, his talents, and his treasures. Jesus dared to believe he could transform from a greedy tax collector into a generous friend. Zacchaeus was up the tree for three reasons. Greed, shame, and corruption. This is probably the same today for some of us being disillusioned and discouraged. Zacchaeus was stuck in habits, emotions, and circumstances. You hurt others to be kept from being hurt. So if there's hope for him, there's hope for anyone. You know, you are good enough to be able to do good. You are loved enough to be able to love someone. You are forgiven enough to be able to change. You can still do good. You can still love someone. You can still change. Jesus did this, practiced this principle all the time. He told people who they were, they would mess up, and then he told them again, right? Whereas our equation seems to be like, I tell you that you're awesome, and then you're not awesome, and then I'm like, well, you're not awesome. Confirmed, thank you. See, but hope is knowing what someone can do and then reminding them that they can still do it. Hope highlights someone's potential to change the future regardless of the past. Hope convinces someone to imagine a better version of themselves. It happens when someone gets close enough to inspire someone else to keep doing, breathing, creating, giving, loving, growing, believing, and living a remarkable story. And so I say to you, Whitewater, you loving and generous church, we haven't made it. But every week you can give a little bit more of your time and your talent and your treasure. 
Every week you can find another man in a tree waiting for someone to notice and know him. Every week you can give space to belong to in your lives to a single mom and her kids. I'm sure someone has looked at you in a crowd and said, good luck with that one. Or maybe like, there's not really a whole, there's not a whole lot of point or like good things that you're going to get out of helping them. They've said that about me. And maybe you're the one saying it, or maybe you're the one standing next to the person saying it, nodding in agreement, because I'm really good at that part. Like, "Mm, yeah, they're a mess. (laughs) Sometimes we are Zacchaeus, hiding, trying to find Jesus. And any of us can get stuck here. Sometimes we're Jesus, never actually, like don't walk into a room and be like, I'm Jesus in this illustration. It doesn't make friends quickly. Uh, But for this illustration, Sometimes we're Jesus, and we need to stop for our fellow tree climbers. As David taught us in the past, written somewhere, I can only assume on scrolls in Whitewater's history. You got it. That was good. Love sees, stops, and then acts. It may seem simple, but it's so much more than that. If you never stop, you'll never know what could have been. You guys may not know him, but recently our church just hired a guy, and his name is Ben. And uh, he brought up, uh, in a conversation that we had, he brought up a guy that, uh, unbeknownst to him, he had no idea that his story was weirdly intertwined with mine. And I taught on this guy a while ago because his life literally had changed mine so much more than what I ever realized. And so, so much of how I do student ministry now uh, is based on this guy that we used to know named Adam. And Uh, I had felt on my heart when I was in high school that Adam was supposed to know this guy that I knew named Jesus. Man, I don't know what it is, but this guy needs to know about Jesus. And uh, I don't know about you, but unless you go to a Christian college, like throwing around the name of Jesus isn't really like a good pickup line. So (laughs) I didn't care all that much. And I tried to avoid that. Turns out over time, Uh, from where I had left the story of Adam and where Ben had picked up the story of Adam, uh, he had been involved in a lot of drugs and actually overdosed and died. And to me, that's that's never left my mind. As students and people walk into our church, that's never lost my mind. Man, what would it have been like if I told Adam about Jesus? What would it have been like if I, if I told this guy there was something better? And if you never stop, you'll never know. But if you do stop and give everything to the moments, you'll be surprised by the legacy God allows you to leave. See, in the student ministry, we call this one life, which shout out tonight is a one night. It's like pirate themed. So you definitely want to come. If you're a student in here and I've never met you, I would love, love, love to meet you. And I'd love to see you there tonight. Uh, But this idea of one life is a belief that we can change our community one life at a time because Jesus did. There's someone put in your life waiting for you to notice, waiting for you to introduce him to this guy named Jesus who changes everything. And you can make excuses. I have plenty of times. I'm pretty sure Jesus had way better excuses than I did. But call it what it is. Whatever those distractions are, it's a distraction from what we're really meant to do. 
Hold on to your money. Cherish buying things and holding on to it more than anything else. Looks like the enemy is winning. Don't create margin in your life. Get so hurried and busy doing all the things that you can't even take care of yourself, let alone look around and notice somebody you were meant to peel back some layers on. It looks like the enemy is winning. Separate being a Jesus follower and your talents as a great businessman, mentor, teacher, mom, or whatever your talents are on. It looks like the enemy is winning. Leaving a legacy of being generous with your time, talents, and treasures. All you have to do is do this one thing. Win the moment. This is a popular phrase uh, by a guy named Urban Meyer for his teams. Hey, listen, you just have to win the next right moment. And before we go too far, I want to say this is Ohio State Urban Meyer, not Jacksonville Urban Meyer. Okay? Jacksonville Urban Meyer, we're leaving there. Ohio State Urban Meyer, he's a saint. Don't talk about him. All I really know is this. I wouldn't be here if someone in my life hadn't flagged me as being valuable and worthy of following Jesus and knowing him. See, my dad's little church where he was the pastor every single Sunday, there was this little man and he was like 5'5", five, five, so Zacchaeus, you know, uh, and his name was George and he was a Navy vet. And every single Sunday he hold the doors open and every single Sunday and what started as little conversations of passing by him as he was holding the door open for me led to five-minute conversations, which led to 10-minute conversations, which led to I helped him hold open the doors. I don't know how he knew my game schedules. I don't know how he knew what was going on in my life. All I know is this, is George changed my life. I don't know if he was trying but he did. And we have a few uh, different students who are really living into this crazy idea of living for other people. One of our students recently brought someone they wanted to introduce to Jesus to our big chill. She's been back almost every single week since then in January and is working on her own one life now. Lexia, one of our other student pastors, recently asked her to share how she got involved and here's what she said. When I was at Big Chill, I decided to dedicate my life to Jesus. I was going through a lot of mental health problems and at Big Chill, we would worship and I felt much better. And on January 29th, I really felt God tugging on my heart and I decided to make the best decision ever and get baptized. When I got baptized, it made my life so much better. Having a relationship with God also helped me overcome my problems with my mental health so much. All the people at Whitewater Youth are so caring and they are so supportive in every decision. I hope my relationship with God grows more and more, and every day I'm glad to do it at Whitewater. All because someone else stopped and saw that she was so valuable and needed this community that was running after Jesus. Another student just texted me on Friday, and she started with, guess who's coming to one night? There's a lot of caps. I'm always playing dumb, so I said, me? She responded back. She was like, okay. Uh, She said, first, one friend is coming and it's her birthday that day. And another friend is coming, the one that you saw at Dollar Tree or something, gasp face, gasp face. (laughs) To me, that sounds like a couple people, a couple of students in our building that are living for the people around them. Experiencing joy that someone else that they know might know Jesus for the first time. 
what a legacy. I live for the moments where people around me start to get the whole point. Jesus was personal and he was personally about everyone else. It was and is never about this own gain. That's why I have really some crazy questions when people say, I have to do this. I have to do this thing that's about their talents or it's about, you know, something that's for them. And it's like, you know, that's great, man. Actually, all all you have to do is love God and you have to go love other people. Other than that, that is our greatest source of joy and legacy and how Jesus set it up for everyone else to leave a legacy of generosity around us, seeking out one person at a time to save, to give hope. See, Jesus touched, he wept, he spoke, he broke, he met, he washed, he invited, he played. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of identity until Jesus called him by name and said, come down from that tree. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of belonging until Jesus said, let's spend time together. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of purpose until Jesus saw him in a different way than the crowd had seen him. Then he had hope. Sounds to me, Zacchaeus was meant to be a part of Jesus' legacy. Someone is meant to be in yours too. See, who's next? Who's next? And we don't know what happens in Zacchaeus' life after that. But all I know is if Jesus was involved, it's probably crazy. Zacchaeus, his legacy didn't begin to take shape until he let himself be shaped by Jesus. What can you do to take another step into a legacy for the kingdom and shaped by Jesus?